Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. This edition of The Standard is brought to you by the AXA Startup Angel Competition. I'm Sharma Dean Reid, founder and CEO of The Stack World, and I'm here to help you turn your business dream into reality. There are six chances to win the competition, including two top prizes of £25,000, mentoring from myself and leading UK founders, plus business insurance for a year, thanks to AXA. Go to standard.co.uk forward slash AXA Startup Angel for details on how to enter and complete your entry by the 2nd of June 2024. Good luck. ES Audio. From the Evening Standard in London, I'm John Weeks and this is The Leader. Who comes to mind when you think of Labour? Sir Keir Starmer, obviously... But could you name the Shadow Cabinet? Do you know who the Shadow Defence Secretary is? Or who's covering the work and pensions brief for Labour? Shadow Chancellor? Good on you if you do. Don't worry if you don't. An exclusive poll for the Evening Standard suggests you may be in the majority. When asked to name members of the Shadow Cabinet off the top of their head, only Deputy Leader Angela Rayner had considerable recognition, with 23% of people mentioning her. Shadow Chancellor Rachel Reeves got 9%, Jonathan Ashworth, who has work and pensions, got 2%, and in a time of armed conflict in Ukraine, Shadow Defence Secretary John Healy was on 1%. Labour may have a 22-point lead in opinion polls for the next general election, but our Ipsos survey of more than 1,000 voting-age adults suggests people want to know more about what a secure government would actually do. 50% of respondents say they don't know what the Labour leader stands for. Mind you, 45% say the same thing about Rishi Sunak. Of course, an election's not expected until late January 2025 at the latest, so there's time to get those messages out. But what does this say about how voters are thinking right now, and what work needs to be done by both parties? I'm joined by Kieran Pedley, Director of Politics at Ipsos UK, who carried out the survey for us. So Kieran, as part of the big group of stats that you guys have collected based on polls with the public, the striking statistic is that 50% of people, only 50% of people know what Keir Starmer stands for. How much does that matter and how significant is that figure? So I think it matters. How much it matters will depend a lot on how popular or unpopular the government is and the Conservative Party is when we actually go into the next general election. So right now, 8 in 10 members of the public are dissatisfied with the job um, the Conservatives are doing in government. And so in that context, the public may well, this is the phrase I use a lot, the public may well decide better the devil we don't know than the devil we do. So you could argue that it's okay uh, for Keir Starmer and in some ways, you know, not knowing what someone stands for can benefit you because once you start announcing policies, people might not like them. 
At the same time, as you get closer to a general election, if you don't fill in the blanks, then there's a risk that your opponents do and that Keir Starmer gets painted in a negative light by, by the Conservatives. So uh, I think that you know there is a political risk there if you don't define things well enough. And also, look, the public are looking for answers on some of the big issues facing the country, like the cost of living and the state of public services and immigration and asylum. You know, they want answers and they also want change. And so Labour's challenge, I think, is going to be showing that they, they have the answers and they can be that change. And what was quite interesting was the comparison between Keir Starmer and the PM. How do they compare in terms of public opinion? And, and is there much between them at this stage? So there's two ways we look at this. We look at this in terms of um, net satisfaction with each leader. And what that, what that basically means is you know, how satisfied or dissatisfied are you with the job they're doing? And you subtract one from the other to get a score. And they're both negative. I mean, Keir Starmer's ratings are, are are slightly better than Rishi Sunak's. When you ask people to choose between them in terms of who would make the most capable prime minister, they're pretty much neck and neck. I mean, they, they tend to interchange who's ahead. One month, one will be ahead a couple of points. The next month, it'll be the reverse. Um, but again, I think this is probably something that on balance is good for Labour, good for Keir Starmer. The last couple of general elections that we've gone into, the leadership question, as we call it, has been very much something that favours the Conservatives. The Conservatives could go out and say, well, who do you want as Prime Minister? David Cameron or Ed Miliband? Or who do you want as Prime Minister? Uh, Boris Johnson or Jeremy Corbyn? And the answer from the public was pretty clear. The fact that they're neck and neck at the moment, whilst I think Keir Starmer would like to be ahead, to seal the deal, so to speak. The fact that the leadership question can't be answered definitively in the Conservatives' favour, at least at the moment, I think is a net win for Labour. And when it came to the shadow cabinet and the members of the shadow cabinet that people could name, I believe it was uh, Angela Rayner was the only one that got into sort of double figures in terms of percentages. Is that significant ahead of a general election in terms of who are the people behind the man, the key figure, which is Keir Starmer in this case? So I, I think it's important to uh, be a bit of a polling nerd at this stage, as I like to be, and sort of explain how that question was asked. So we asked people over the telephone to you know, sp- spontaneously recall in their own words who were members of the shadow cabinet other than, other than Keir Starmer. And you're right, the only person that got into double digits there was the deputy leader, Angela Rayner. Rachel Reeves, shadow chancellor, almost did. She was on 9%. Everybody else was on kind of like fours, fives, and maybe even less. Now, the important point to say there is that was kind of people spontaneously recalling this, meaning that people like Yvette Cooper or Ed Miliband are known by more than sort of 5% of the members of the public. It's just that they can't spontaneously recall in this particular survey environment um, that they're members of the shadow cabinet. So I guess what it shows is when it comes to an election campaign, a lot of this is going to fall on Keir Starmer and perceptions of him. I think we were talking off air about the 2017 general election where everything was built around Theresa May's reputation for the Conservatives because she was polling particularly well. The risk there, of course, is that when that reputation goes, then the campaign kind of goes. So it puts a lot of pressure, even more so, on on Keir Starmer going into that election. But I would also say that I suspect, given the issues that matter most to the public at the moment, the cost of living and and the NHS, that you're probably going to see a lot of Rachel Reeves and West Streeting in the campaign, and I'm sure other people too. Um, So I expect them to get better known as the campaign goes on. But I think what it shows is that Keir Starmer's reputation is particularly important. And as I've mentioned, his net satisfaction ratings, I think it's minus 18 at the moment. That's not quite at the level that David Cameron and Tony Blair had before they won from opposition. They were getting kind of net positive scores before they won. So there's no hard and fast rule that says, oh, 
you're on minus 18, Kirstama, therefore tap you on the shoulder, you can't win. Of course not. It's all relative between the two parties. But I think it does show that there's still sort of work for him to do. And uh, if the campaign's based around him, that's maybe a risk for Labour. And you mentioned those previous campaigns. I mean, how do the results of this poll sort of compare with, with previous ones? So I think, look, it's, it's very, very unusual for a government, for a governing party to come back from the types of deficits that we're seeing. You know, the, the obvious comparison that people make would be 1992, and that sent shivers down my spine as a pollster because that was one where the polls were, polls were wrong. But even then, I, I, I think I'm right in saying in 1991, a year before that, we weren't seeing quite this 20-point leads for, for the opposition party. And I think what we always... We always have to be a slightly careful with historic comparisons as well, because I mean, Christ, in the last sort of three or four years, we've gone through a global pandemic, we've got war, we've got a you know, cost of living crisis, we've had countless changes in Conservative Party leader and Prime Minister. So there is, to some extent, this is unprecedented uh, territory that we're in at the moment. But what I would say is that almost uh, if we t- put the polls to one side for one second, the type of national swing the Labour Party need at the next general election from 2019 to have a majority government is it would be you know, more than double digits and is quite unusual for a general election. There's only two general elections since the Second World War where we've had double digit national swings from one party to, to the next. And, and that was in 1945, immediately after that war, which is very specific circumstances in itself, and 1997. So the scale of shift yeah, it is somewhat unprecedented, but you know, the clock is ticking and the Conservatives need to be able to show, Rishi Sunak needs to be able to show that he could deliver on those pledges uh, that he set. You know, he, he wants to mark his own homework in some respects and saying, these are the issues I want to be defined on. At the moment, the public are pretty sceptical that he's delivering and that needs to change if they're going to produce any sort of comeback. Let's take a break now. In part two, Kieran explains what these poll results represent in the run-up to the next general election. Well, a sort of rough rule of thumb that we have at Ipsos is that the party leading on the most important issue to the public or to the electorate tends to win that election. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. So in terms of the big issues, according to the poll... Labour appear to lead and appear to lead on quite a big level against the Conservatives on those big issues that are mattering to people today. Could that alone win them the election? Well, a sort of rough rule of thumb that we have at Ipsos is that the party leading on the most important issue 
to the public or to the electorate tends to win that election. It's not a precise science, but that is the way to things tend to go. And the consistent message from the public at the moment, and we should stress this at the moment, we don't know what it will be at a general election, is that the cost of living, rising prices, and healthcare and the NHS are the most important issues to them. And on that, we asked the public in our recent, most recent political monitor with Ipsos, uh, which party has the best policies. On healthcare, Labour, Labour are 30 points ahead. And on the cost of living, Labour are 22 points ahead. So these aren't small leads. And I think if those are the defining issues of the next uh, general election, then it's very, very difficult to, for the Conservatives uh, to come back. What I suppose Richard Sunak will want to do is kind of two things. One is to kind of redefine how those questions are asked. So what I mean by that is, okay, you want to improve the cost of living. Well, that requires us to grow the economy, let's say. Let's make the argument about growth. And that's an, that's an area where the Conservatives tend to perform better. They don't, they don't beat Labour, but they tend to perform better than some of these deficits I've mentioned. And maybe similarly on healthcare, they need to try and make the argument again that you know, if you want more money in, in, in healthcare, it comes back to, again, maybe economic growth. So Conservatives are going to want to shift the conversation into areas that they're more comfortable in. But I don't see there as a way back for them unless they do show tangible progress on some of these issues in the next 12 months, because at the moment, the public aren't really seeing them. And as I said, on, on Rishi Sunak's pleasures, we find six in 10 members of the public think his government is doing a bad job reducing NHS waiting lists and, uh, and uh, dealing with the cost of living. And that's just not sustainable if you want to win a general election. When you look at the, the poll results in terms of the people who know what Keir Starmer stands for, what the PM stands for, who's in the shadow cabinet, the numbers suggest that people don't know as much as perhaps the politicians would like them to. Could people sort of waning attention to politics and the political landscape be to blame for that? Well, I think to some extent, I mean, the public are paying attention, uh, certainly to the cost of living and, and, and to, to, to issues that, that matter most to them. And I think it's fair to say that whilst they sort of roll their eyes at times, they do, they do pay attention to what's going on with uh, the, the row over party gate, because I think with, with the... Um, with the pandemic, everyone's got their own sort of personal story. This is one of those issues that affected everybody one way or another. You know, often um, we, we talk about being in the Westminster bubble, don't we, and about how certain issues don't, you know, we, we're all excited about them, but actually they don't really register with the public. But everyone remembers the pandemic. A lot of people have to deal with the NHS and everyone's got their own their bills coming through the door, their own housing situation and their own sort of issues with the cost of living. So I do think the public are, are paying attention. I think the big risk for Labour, perhaps, is, is is kind of apathy, and is the idea that, or maybe if Labour isn't offering the answers, I don't think they're going to be any better. Maybe they just don't show up at all at the next general election. Now that's that's speculation on my part, but this is the this is the balancing act that Labour have got to strike, and it's not easy. I'm not going to pretend it is. On the one hand, they want to show that they've got the answers for the big challenges facing the country, and that they can be the change people want to see. But of course, the bigger and bolder their solutions, then the more scrutiny there's going to be on them, particularly as they are ahead in the polls, so people think they might be in government. And, um, you know, whenever it comes to spending money, for example, there's going to be a lot of scrutiny about how are you going to pay for that? Do we trust Labour to spend that money, that money well? But again, I return to the point I made earlier, I think, if, if the government continues to be posting up the negative sort of satisfaction ratings with the Prime Minister and the government, if the Conservatives continue to be as unpopular as they are at the moment, then whilst you know, things can always go wrong in election campaigns, Labour still looks in a good spot at the moment. For Keir Starmer, seeing the results of this poll, I imagine it'll be food for thought for him. What work has he got to do now, in your opinion, to pull a bigger majority? 
I think it's about striking that balancing act again. It's notable that Keir Starmer and Rachel Reeves have been very strong on their fiscal rules and really reiterating that you know, Labour can be trusted with the public finances. I think that is an important, not even subliminal message, that's an important overt message for Labour to keep pushing as the general election approaches because this is a traditional brand weakness of the Labour Party, the idea that they might be well-meaning, but do I trust them to be sound with the, with the public money? So I think first and foremost, they've got to be quite tight on that because that is a risk politically if, if the Conservatives go into the next election and can convince the public that you shouldn't trust Labour with the economy again. The challenge, of course, though, is that at the same time, the public do want more money spent, on some, particularly on things like you know the NHS. Uh, and other public services, and they want answers and, and solutions to how to improve the cost of living. So it's really about striking that balance. And I don't think there is an easy answer. And also, I think just trying to seal the deal with the electorate in the idea that there needs to be change. I bet at the moment, the government's unpopular. At the moment, we find two thirds of the public say it's time for change at the next general election. Labour needs to keep that message going because uh, Ultimately, whilst there are many parties that run in a general election, as we know, it does end, end up coming down to somewhat of a binary choice between Labour and the Conservatives in terms of who wins. So, you know, Labour will want to make sure they keep the tax up on the government and, and show that they are genuinely a government in waiting. There's more news, interviews and analysis in the Evening Standard newspaper and at standard.co.uk. That's The Leader. Thanks for listening. We're back tomorrow afternoon at four o'clock. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.